preach the word. Our culture is craving men that will go into the pulpits, open their Bible, and preach with a thus saith the Lord God. Hello and welcome into this edition of Radio BNR. I'm your host, Chris Turner, Director of Communications here at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. And this episode is our monthly update with our Executive Director of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, Randy Davis. Randy, thanks for being with us and welcome in. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. Well, April is a big month for us around here just because we have our uh, board meeting that happens twice a year, April and September, and so we actually just finished that yesterday, so this is all really front-burner stuff. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was a great board meeting and a busy board meeting. Just, what, uh, just give us a little bit of, of how you perceive the board meeting these couple days. Oh, I think, number one, there's such an incredible spirit of unity. Uh, We've got 99 board members, counting the president of the Tennessee Baptist Convention. We have 100 uh, positions filled on our board meeting, on our board. And um, the spirit of it is just one of unity. On Monday nights, we normally have a supper, and we just have what we call reports from the field. And people start telling about what God is doing, Mm -hmm. and God inhabits the praise of his people. And uh, so many incredible God testimonies shared uh, by our board members and and staff, and it is just an incredible time. Yeah, it makes for a good spirit the next day. I was going to say, it really sets the tone. I think that uh, as that thing gets rolling, that's a cha- train that could just roll down the track as one testimony after another. And it is uh, fun to hear geographically how the Lord is, is literally moving across Tennessee in so many different places. Um, you know, as we move Tuesday into the actual uh, business session of the board, there were several things that came out of that. That was a, a busy time. Uh, one of the big things that came out of that was the some news about our Baptist Collegiate Ministries in a couple of different places. Well, absolutely. We've got uh, s- uh, most all of this has been in the works for quite some time, but uh, we closed in the month of April on a piece of property over at uh, uh, the BCM at Tennessee Tech. It is a piece of property adjoining Tennessee Tech, and of course, Tennessee Tech, BCM, has just really exploded with yeah. growth. It's been solid for a long, long, long time. And uh, now we're able to buy this piece of property to expand the reach there quite a bit, uh, give them more room. Uh, we also have been in discussions with uh, about a project at um, the Baptist Collegiate Ministry at the University of Memphis that I think is a game changer. I think if when that thing is off the ground and running, it is going to take our work there to a whole new level, and it'll serve as a prototype for other BCMs not only in Tennessee but across the nation. We are um, in the study phase of um, replacing our BCM building there with a four-story dorm that would house 120 students on the first floor, will be meeting space, and possibly some um, businesses that line up with our values like Chick-fil-A. and then those 120 students will be in a pretty in-depth, intensive discipleship program during their time as students at uh, University of Memphis. So that when they graduate with whatever the degree they're going after, 
They will be fully devoted followers of Christ that are well equipped to have an impact on the world. Our administrative committee met, met on Monday afternoon. Monday morning, we got a call about a piece of property we've had our eye on beside our BCM building at the University of Tennessee at Martin. And the call was that it was now available. Wow. And it it was a former fraternity house. Yeah. And uh, because of its availability and our board voted to purchase it for $275,000, and depending on how much renovation we can do to that uh, fraternity house, there is a strong possibility we could begin what we want to do in Memphis much sooner at the University of Martin. Jeff at Memphis and Mo at at uh, Morgan Owen at Martin are just two of the the best disciples of of students that I've had the privilege and joy of knowing. So those are uh, pretty strong developments. I have often said that uh, I've often bragged about the incredible opportunity we have on our yeah. campuses. Nearly four hundred thousand students across this state on our campuses coming from all all over the world, and uh, we have about 20 missionaries, ministers uh, working through BCM on these campuses, and it's one of the richest missionary opportunities we have as a mission organization. Yeah, it's a, it's a big opportunity for Tennessee Baptists. I think the one of the things about these properties opening up and then becoming so strategic is the work that's gone before. The insight and the, the, the way God provided 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago for some of the properties where our BCMs are located are in the hearts of some of these campuses, and thousands of students walk past those, those buildings every day. And so uh, Tennessee Baptists are really in the heart uh, geographically, and uh, on those campuses where we have a great opportunity to minister, and now the Lord's just continuing to bless that. Um, you also uh, took a, made a big announcement about uh, some issues related to uh, sexual abuse and uh, what it is that uh, the next step for Tennessee Baptists, as you see it, you mentioned last month, talked about how we as Tennessee Baptists have, have been helping churches with this type of issue for for 20 years and just resources and then preparation and counseling and and helping them know how to have a safe space when when children or anyone else comes to their church but you've now gone the next step talk just a little bit about what what you're doing with that well we announced to our board yesterday about the formation of a sexual abuse and uh, prevention and response task force this task force is going to be uh, having the responsibility to to uh, help eradicate sex abuse in any church, mm-hmm. as well as helping churches know how to respond uh, in a biblical way, uh, as well as a legal way, when that kind of thing does happen mm-hmm. in relationship to their church. Uh, like you mentioned, we've been doing this for over two decades, but now's the time that we're going to be working with the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, I've had a couple of conversations with Greg McCoy. We're on the same page. Greg is the president there mm-hmm. of our children's homes, and uh, their whole their whole mission is to protect children. Yes. 
Now, while the children's homes nor the mission board can, uh, because of polity or practicality, can be on the front line of protecting the children, the churches are. Mm -hmm. And so we want to do all we can to protect them. The purpose of the task force is to look at all of the tools we have in the toolbox right now, to look at some that may be available that aren't in the toolbox and uh, examine it, and then to uh, pass the very best tools we can onto our churches and equipping them to prevent child abuse. Also, we know that um, this has this. There's been much discussion in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, doc, Dr. J.D. Greer, the president of the convention, as well as Russ Moore with the ERLC. Uh, and LifeWay have um, been attempting to formulate some new materials to make churches safe places, uh, safer places than they already are, and uh, caring places for both both victims and and also in prevention. So we're looking forward to examining everything we can possibly mm-hmm. look at say what are the best tools we can use that's the purpose of this task force yeah and we do have some resources that are available there are a couple of articles that we ran back in march first part of march on the baptist and reflector that uh, relate to this issue and then we have a great podcast with our business administrator william maxwell who has helped churches from a legal and administrative perspective with this for years, and then also Vicki Holsey, who's our child ministry specialist. Uh, that conversation with them offered some great ideas as well. So uh, you don't have to wait. If you're listening, you can go back out and see some of the things we've already got going. Board members also really expressed to you a concern about, about two other things, uh, mental health of pastors and reaching men with the gospel and, and discipling them. Just touch a little bit uh, on that and, and just why those are those really seem to be uh, issues of, of concern with them and obviously everyone else. Well, we had um, the last hour of our board meeting, we had a forum where, where our directors could share anything and everything on their hearts. And it was a great time of brainstorming. Uh, no, no other agenda except tell us what's on your heart and your mind, ask any questions. And the two things that we probably spent the most time around are the two that you mentioned. Uh, one is there's a great concern about the, lead, the pastor leaders of our churches knowing how to take care of themselves mentally, physically, mm-hmm. uh, spiritually, emotionally, um, I really believe that burnout is a major issue. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, before we started this recording this podcast, I got an email from a pastor looking for some help mm. uh, in the area of burnout. Um, when a pastor starts giving of himself uh, like a like a really good pastor will do, He's going to be emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally spent. That's what he does. He mm. gives himself away constantly. And if he doesn't know how to healthy take time away and, and replenish what he's giving out, then uh, there's a da- disaster around the corner. Most of ministry leaders that fail morally um, – deal with burnout first. It's either burnout where they are going at it too rapidly and not practicing Sabbath, 
or his boredom. Yeah, you got King David with his sin mm-hmm. with Bathsheba. The Bible says while other men were out at war, he was at the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, Satan can use that idle time to lead you in a path you don't want to go. So we do have a deep concern for the well-being of our pastors, and uh, we are going to be doing all we can to help our pastors stay fit or get fit, whether that's physically, spiritually, emotionally, or mentally, just to be a help. The other, the other thing the board members discussed was, of course, how to reach men and how to disciple men how to help men feel like they have a place in the body of Christ where they can grow, where they can be themselves, where they can address issues that they're facing all of the time. Uh, In conjunction of that, one of the sweet ladies on our board brought up pornography and the devastating effects of pornography. So my encouragement to to our churches is to be, uh, don't, don't think of these things as taboo, uh, focus on your pastor's health. Focus on the fact that you got to do some things to help uh, men overcome what they're facing and to be men in this, this culture mm. that diminishes the value of manhood. So uh, there are a lot of tools out there that people can find to use to help them reach men and disciple men and equip men. And uh, so I'd certainly encourage our churches to write us, to email us, and we'll be happy to point them in that direction. Well, along those lines, you just uh, released uh, your column yesterday in the Babson Reflector that uh, is titled, um, Somebody Has to Tell the Pastor He's Not a Cowboy. And so you you do uh, offer four uh, points of unsolicited advice, as you say them in the column, uh, to pastors and really to anybody else, because unfortunately, a lot of times uh, church members see their their pastor as the old cowboy staying in the saddle until you know it, it's all over with. Um, and and you just suggest that's never going to end well in there. But talk a little bit about the four things that you you encourage pastors to really pay attention to, and um, the uh, the the whole idea of not being that lone ranger. Well, I, I, much of what I say grows out of 34 years of pastoring mm-hmm. and knowing uh, the deficiencies in my own life and the struggles in my own life. Uh, but I believe it begins and ends with prayer. Uh, that is, That cannot be something that we just teach about or read about or preach about. That's got to be something we incorporate into our own daily lives. And I'm talking about both quality and quantity. Um, I say in the article that any man mightily used of God is a man that is well acquainted with passionate, persistent, and agonizing praying. Mm -hmm. Nothing's more important than your intimacy with the Lord. Out of that intimacy will grow uh, power in the pulpit. Out of that intimacy with the Lord will grow his direction, his vision, and um, I, I think prayer is one of those things that's incredibly valuable. The second thing I talk about is um, speak up. Preach the Word. Mm. Our culture is craving men that will go into the pulpits, open their Bible, and preach with a thus saith the Lord God. The uh, Certainly the culture's dark, 
And But that doesn't mean that our preaching must be diminished because of the darkness of the culture. The strongest preaching you'll find in the Bible, the strongest prophetic voices were voices that were at a time that the culture was dark. Um, people need the gospel, and they're craving this kind of biblical, courageous, yet compassionate preaching. I don't think anybody go on the pulpit and preach about the subject of hell and preach like they're glad people are going there. I think it ought to really break our hearts. Well, and it really does come down to that thing that if the only way that we are going to see cultural transformation is if it happens from within the heart, and the only way that that happens in in any form of of truthfulness is through the gospel, through a, a heart transformation that comes from a relationship with Christ. So to withhold that from the culture is actually doing the greatest disservice to the gospel uh, uh, as far as us being Christians in the culture. So the gospel is the thing that the that people around us need. So when you say speak up, I, I, it's not a word just for pastors, but it certainly is a word for all of us. Absolutely. And what else? Uh, you had two more points on, on your, um, your Well, column. one was show up. Um, the pastor is not the CEO. Yeah. I know the Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians to equip, to equip people for the work of the ministry, but that didn't excuse us from our role as shepherds. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest influences I've had in my life were men that would preach to thousands of people on Sunday, but as I was with them in their churches, I noticed that children knew their name. Mm. I noticed that they knew the name of every custodian. I noticed that they were shepherds, not just proclaimers of the word. And I uh, think that if God's called you to pastor, then you need to um, show up, be there with your people when they're going through bad times and good times and... um, it gives validity to what you say in the pulpit. I think it was Maxwell that said, people do not know, do not care how much you know until they know how much you mm. care. Uh, the, the title pastor is far more about a towel where you wash feet and not just wear some mantle that yeah. you have given yourself. It's a calling of the Lord. And the, the, the last thing I, I shared with I hope uh, many pastors is that they need to absolutely rest up. Mm-hmm. Pastoring's not only a high calling, it is a grind. Um, in the pew, people have the perception of the pastor never needs a vacation. Yeah. I mean, all he does is preach on Sundays and maybe Wednesdays. And so why does he need a, a, any kind of vacation or any time of time away? And a pastor feels like he has to constantly justify his role. And a pastor needs to build in the discipline of daily they're going to come apart and be with the Lord. Weekly they're going to have a day off. To have two days off and a weekend is highly unusual. But they're going to at least have a day off where they rest and they unplug. Um I had a wise layman once come to me at the last church I served and said, Brother Andy, would you do a time study? I'd never done a time study. I've worked uh, since I was 12, not paying attention to a time sheet. 
I've pastored since the month I turned 20, and I never paid attention to how, what kind of time I was investing. I just did what I needed to do, much to my own detriment. I understand yeah. I'm not bragging. Yeah. I'm, I'm sounding out an alarm. Uh, but most pastors can put in a 50-hour week and not blink at it. Yeah. Um, this time study I did revealed that I had some weeks during the four to six weeks that I did this where 70 hours were being put wow. in. And uh, but, but here's the deal. It's not just a matter of ticking off time. It's what you're doing with that time. Yeah. Even the study and the preparation for Sunday, you know that you're going to have a crowd there, whether it's 20 people or 2,000 people. You're going to have their attention for 20, 30, 40 minutes. They expect to be fed from the Word of God. You're admonished in the Bible to rightly divide the Word. Mm -hmm. That takes time to prepare, to exegete, to illustrate, to apply the Scripture. Um, You put a lot into it. But on top of that, you get a call. You go to the hospital. There's a family facing a trauma that they had never anticipated. And you're spending time with them. You're standing in the gap for them. The last 18 months I was in the pastorate, I uh, went through the loss uh, of young families in our church of babies. Mm. Um, Not miscarriages. Miscarriages are bad enough by themselves. But I'm talking about children that were born and within a matter of uh, immediately or days after they were stillborn or they died soon thereafter, I did four of those funerals. And when you walk as a shepherd with a family through that, um, you pour your heart into it and it drains you. You know, multiply that and you can add on all the people that gripe and complain and expect the pastor to change the light bulbs and fix things and fix their broken lives and uh, they haven't done a poor good job they've done a poor job of parenting their kids but their kids to be 18 and 19 they expect their pastor to somehow miraculously fix it and all of that takes its toll on the pastor yeah so I would encourage the pastor to take time off I would encourage our churches to really, uh, make sure that uh, their pastor is healthy and taking the time he needs to recharge. They will be glad in the long run. Yeah, and that really goes back to that conversation you were having with board members about just the mental health of pastors. And you had written an article on that uh, last year after the young pastor, early 30s from out in California, uh, committed suicide and, and left behind a, a really young family. And we just kind of saw that in, in some other instances in, in 2018 and uh, you know, just the burden that you've had for that and certainly uh, just with the phone calls and conversations you have throughout the week. So it's, it's, it's not something that's theoretical. It is a reality. We have pastors that are stressed on the verge of burnout or at the point of burnout, and uh, they, they really need to... to uh, exhale and be able to have some space to take care of themselves. I don't think God ever expects us to sacrifice our families on the altar of ministry or missions. That's a good word. Um, I appreciate that, Chris, because it reminds me what I just talked about was pastors taking care of the flock. Yeah. His first ministry, his first calling is to take care of his own family. Mm -hmm. We just came out of a staff meeting here 
and there was a prayer request because uh, one of our staff members here in Tennessee had a 12-year-old son tried to take his own life mm. uh, just recently. Uh, our pastors are dealing with a whole lot, uh, even in their own yeah. families. And we need healthy churches and healthy pastors that walk together through these times and uh, appreciate that we all put on our pants the same way. We all yeah. have the same struggles. Well, that's a good word. And you know, you think about Pastor Appreciation Day, that's great, but boy, it'd sure help a pastor if he was appreciated 365 days. So. <laughs> yeah, it would. Anyway, well, uh, that's, a, that's a good wrap for April. It's been a busy month. Um, May is no less busy around here, and then, of course, we're just uh, just six weeks away from the Southern Baptist Convention, so uh, it's hard to believe it's already May 1st. But, um, Randy, thanks so much for the update, and we'll look forward to hearing uh, what we've got going in May. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for listening to Radio B&R, a podcast production of The Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio BR. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.